Practical wisdom from the first leader of the Christian Church in Jerusalem. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we study James and how to put our faith into action. So, where we were in the book of James is that we had left off on James chapter 2, verses 19, where we were talking about faith and deeds. And we talked about how faith is the root system underneath the ground that you can't see. And the deeds are the fruit that fall from the tree. And the larger the tree, the more growth on the tree, the strength of the tree, the more it's able to withstand storms and the more it's able to bear fruit. And so faith is necessary to grow the tree, the root system, so that it can bear much fruit fruit. And that we spend a lot of time about how the two are inseparable. There's always this question about is it is it um, works or is it faith that saves? And throughout scripture, what we see is that they're both interlinked. You can't have a strong works without strong faith. The two are tied together. And so what we see is the works but the works are supported by the faith. And so we can tell a person's faith by the works and we can, uh, the two are just interlinked. And so when we talk about the two, now Paul always talks about how important faith is and that, that faith in Jesus is the important thing. It's, it's, it's him that saves, and it's that faith, but you can't see it. What's the outward appearance of it is the works. And so that's kind of where we left off on verse 19. And I think I'll leave it there because what I think we can do now is maybe go into a, another description of faith and deeds, and we'll see where that takes us. So we're going to go into James chapter 2, and we will begin in verse 20, which reads like this. You foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? I'll just stop right there. Faith, so that's like the root system, without deeds, which is like the fruit of the tree, is useless. In other words, if you have strong faith and you're a healthy tree, you are going to produce fruit. And if you do not produce fruit, then why are you a tree? That's interesting because God left his church here on the earth and the calling of the church is to bear fruit in the world. We are to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in the world. One of the most popular books over the last, I don't know, two decades, I guess, is Rick Warren's a purpose-driven life. And I think he tapped into a lot of people's feeling that it is not just that I have a strong faith, which is wonderful if you've got a strong faith. You yourself will get through life if you have a strong faith. But that faith produces works. And it does what we were created to do, which is to love the world around us. We have a purpose. We have a mission. And so Rick Warren's book, 
the purpose-driven life, helps tell the story that the church here on earth was called by God to love the earth and to bear fruit in the world. So even in these troubling and challenging times with the pandemic and the election and stuff like that, the church is called to love the world around us. That's why we're here. And if you have faith but you don't have deeds, what good is it? That's basically what James is setting up right now in chapter 2, verses 20. It's like, you foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Now he's going to give a couple illustrations. So in verse 21, Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son uh, son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith, the root system, and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed, that's a faith word, God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, what his works were. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. So in other words, what Abraham did to his son Isaac. Of course, he never completed the task, but he was willing to do it. If you'll all remember the story of Abraham and Isaac, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, this son, Isaac, that you have asked for and longed for, and it is all you've wanted in life, this son, I I want you to sacrifice him. Now, this is interesting. I had a a conference last night. I'm on the board of the Shepherd's Canyon Retreat. Um, And we have a week-long counseling session for pastors. Now, uh, there's a number of chaplains involved. There's a number of therapists involved. So it's not just me. There's a whole group of things. But I'm the chaplain coordinator, uh, which actually doesn't take a, a huge amount of time. And we had a conference last night with all the chaplains and the therapists. One of the people on the call wanted to give a miraculous report that their granddaughter became pregnant. They had been trying for 12 years. They pretty much thought that they would never get pregnant. Um, They had adopted, I think, uh, maybe a couple other things. And um, she is 42 years old, and now she got pregnant. And the joy that they have about this baby coming into their life is just overwhelming. I mean, the, the person that was talking about it just couldn't even, you know, describe the joy there. Um, so imagine that joy of having this child and then God comes to you and says, I want you to sacrifice this child. It, it must have been. But Abraham, following God, said, I will do it. Now, that is deep, deep, deep faith, and it produces works, a strong tree. When God tells you that you are to do something, to bear fruit, even if it is against everything that you believe in your life, it is the strong, you have to have strong faith and a strong tree to follow God to that level. And Abraham takes his son Isaac and goes up to the altar and offers him. But he, he doesn't actually. The, God says, okay, we've tested your faith. Here's a ram in the thicket and all that sort of thing. 
But don't you see how the two go hand in hand? The faith and the works go hand in hand. There is no way that Abraham would have been able to even come close to doing that unless he had a strong faith, unless he had seen time after time after time again in his life how God had grown his tree, had developed a huge tree and a huge root system to bear much fruit. There is simply no way that Abraham could have done that unless he had a big, huge, strong tree planted by the stream of living water. And that's the point that James is making here. He says, you want evidence about it? Look at Abraham. He was considered righteous. Now, that's a, that's a bearing fruit type of thing for what he did when he offered his son. But it was the faith underneath that supported that system, and the two worked together for him to do that. That's why the scripture was fulfilled. Abraham believed faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness, those deeds. And he was called God's friend. And then he goes on. Here's another story. This is in verse 25. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is death, dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now, if you remember the story of Rahab, she was a prostitute living in Jericho. And the Israelites under Joshua had come out of the promised land and God had said, you need to conquer Jericho. And so they send spies into Jericho to take a look around. Well, Rahab was a prostitute and she had a business of prostitution. Now, probably the way I think about this is the, uh, oh, if you've seen Les Miserables, uh, the, there's a master of the house, quick to catch your eye, never let a passerby to pass you by. Anyway, if you haven't seen that, the, there's this inn, and it's a very corrupt inn, but you have an innkeeper, and you have people that come in, and they drink, and they have a good time. Well, upstairs in the inn, if you want a little more than just food and drink, you can go upstairs, and you can do other things there, and Rahab lived upstairs in this lodge. That's how I vision this thing. And I think that's probably about how it was, right? It brought income into the community. Uh, it brought visitors to the community. But if you were a visitor in the community of, of Jericho and you walked in, the first place you went was the inn. You got a little bit of food. You got a little bit of drink. You could have lodging. And maybe you could have lodging plus, lodging with benefits, I guess you could say, <laughs> with Rahab. And um, so these two spies come into Jericho and they're in the inn and they end up meeting Rahab and Rahab knows that they are perhaps knows that they are from the Israelites and that they're going to conquer and she hides them and basically when they finally come and conquer Jericho it was Rahab that they save because she had put out a red scarf or something out of her window and so they saved her but they destroyed the rest of the city. Now, if you look at that story just from the standpoint of justice and righteousness and keeping your country safe, Rahab is a bad person for Jericho. Her deeds or her misdeeds 
her hiding these two spies mean that the whole country or the whole city of Jericho is destroyed, but she's saved. Now, what would cause her to do that? Well, one, if you are a member of Jericho dead, you would say, well, she was a spy, she was a traitor, and she should be killed for her traitorous works. But she is held up here in James and in other places that she had strong faith. So perhaps Rahab believed in the God of Israel and risked all of that because she knew that the God of Israel was the one true God and that God was calling her to be a traitor to her people so that the Israelites could come in and conquer the city of Jericho. And that's, that's how this story is portrayed in the Bible, is that Rahab had deep faith, faith and works going together. And because she had that deep faith, she could not go against what God was calling her to do, which was to save these two men and to allow the Israelites to come in to conquer the city. Now, both of these stories point out that faith and works go together. You can't have one without the other. As James says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith, the roots, without deeds, the fruit that comes off the tree, those two work together to produce fruit to make a healthy tree. The two go hand in hand. The question has always been, is it, is it faith that saves or is it works that saves? And according to James, and I think Paul would agree to this, they go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. They're both present and existence. The problem gets into, and this, this is what Paul fights against in all of his letters to all the churches. The problem, once you understand this, you start doing works. We are lulled into a sense, a, a false sense, that we are being saved because of our works. That God is pleased with us because of the works that we do. Now, God is happy with the works that we do. There's no question about that. But what God is more pleased with is the faith underlying the works. God wants that faith to grow so that the works increase and the fruit that's produced increases. And if you start to be complacent and teach that you are saved by the works, by the fruit then you are not teaching the full panoply or the full counsel of God because it is not the works that is saving you. Jesus is the one that is saving. Jesus redeems the whole tree, the faith and the works together because no matter how big the tree is, no matter how much fruit the tree produces, even then it is not enough to ultimately save you and, and bring you into this relationship with Jesus for eternity or God or Jesus into eternity. The only way that happens is if Jesus is in your life and grows the tree and grows the faith and redeems you and gives you the power from the spirit and brings you into the kingdom. That's the only thing that saves. And so we can't rely on the works. All right. So I think that's long enough. It's been a long, I, I thank you for being with me this morning and I, and I pray that you had a wonderful Christmas and um, I pray that, that going into 2021, 
we have a wonderful 2021 and things begin to open up and we see new and exciting things. I believe 2021 will be a phenomenally good year and I'm excited about that. So why don't we close in prayer? Dear God, thank you for growing our faith. Thank you for leading us into good works. But even when we do all of that, God, it's not enough. And so most of all, Lord, we thank you for for coming as a baby in Bethlehem and redeeming us and bringing us into your kingdom. For this, we thank and praise you.